Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On today's episode of the Journey Women Podcast, I'm chatting with Stacey Riach about something that we all desire but struggle with on the daily, contentment. We talked about everything from why and how we struggle with contentment to how God's promises bring satisfaction even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances. Listen to what she said. Being content, I don't think means that we don't struggle with suffering and trials. I don't think we ever perfectly arrive at being 100% content in this life on earth because we live in a fallen world. But our hope is that one day those trusting in Christ will be with Jesus in heaven where we won't want for anything because we have Him. So you'll know her a little better. Stacy is a pastor's wife and mom to four kiddos. She and her husband Ben serve at Three Rivers Grace Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. She's also the author of a helpful little book called Wilderness Wanderings. Now, on to my conversation with Stacy. Stacy, welcome to the Journey Women podcast. I'm so stoked to have you on today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I think we connected over your writing on the internet. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I know you write for Desiring God, and then yeah. you sent me your little book, Wilderness Wanderings, and I picked that up and just thought it would be a great opportunity to have you come talk about something that every single woman struggles with, namely myself, the topic of contentment. So thanks for joining us today. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Do you want to tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself before we get started? Sure. I am a wife to Ben and a mama of four kids. We have two girls and two boys. My high school daughter is 15. And then I have a 13-year-old son, a 10-year-old daughter, and a almost five-year-old son. Oh, I think it's so cool to talk to moms who are like a step ahead of me because... It just feels like your life looks so different than it did with little toddlers. Am I wrong or am I right? Oh, yeah. There's definitely a lot of changing seasons. Although I will say having like Micah, we call our gap baby because he was born five years after my third. So it is kind of funny because I feel like I still have one that's in that preschool stage that I'm like teaching the alphabet to. And then I have my daughter who's like, taking the PSAT. So that, so it's very different <laughs> stages at the same time. Oh, that's wonderful. So what do y'all do together as a family? Your husband is a pastor, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He pastors a church here in Pittsburgh called Three Rivers Grace. So I have the privilege of serving alongside him in different ways from hospitality and discipleship, Bible studies, counseling, 
I especially love women's ministry and encouraging other women to be students of the Bible because that's what I think will have the biggest influence on our lives. Yeah. I love meeting with women, talking about life, what God is teaching us and praying for each other. And then, of course, in random moments of free time, I love to write. Yes, I love that so much, friend. I'm just stoked to get to talk to you today because I've loved absorbing your writing. And I'd love to hear what prompted in you the desire to write a book on contentment. Well, I think partly it was just my own journey of battling Mm -hmm. seasons of discontentment, battling seasons of just ingratitude and especially some difficult circumstances Um, We were walking through a few years ago, and I was Mm. in a Bible study at that time that was covering the life of Moses. So we were studying the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Yeah, and it was really life-giving to me. It was so encouraging to watch Moses lead this group of people, kind of a difficult group of people at times through the wilderness. And I was, I could relate to so many different aspects. I could relate to being a grumbler, to being one of the Mm -hmm. Israelites and being discontent. I could relate to Moses and different types of leadership. I could relate to needing to persevere and um, seasons of suffering. And so anyway, just during that time, that Bible study was just a source of great encouragement. And out of that flowed some of my first published articles. And after I had written a few of those, I thought, you know, I think I could probably write a short book on this section of the Bible that I hope God would use to encourage others in seasons of discontentment. Mm, Yes. Okay. So we're talking about contentment, discontentment. Can you just tell us what that is? Like lay it down. What actually is contentment? So I looked this up in Webster's dictionary because I was curious how they would define contentment. Yes. The definition I saw was satisfied to appease the desires of. So I think the question is, what are we seeking to find our satisfaction in? Mm -hmm. I think the world's definition would be different from a follower of Christ. Totally. In the world, somebody might say they're finally content because they achieved the dream job they Mm -hmm. always wanted or had a boy and a girl born exactly two years apart, just as they (laughs) planned, or moved into a bigger house. Contentment's linked to getting what they want. But as Christians, I would say the contentment is not just being satisfied, but being satisfied in God, uh-huh. delighting and trusting in the promises of his word, or as John Piper puts it so well, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Yeah. So we have this relationship with God as believers, which is one mm-hmm. I, I know we would all agree is amazing, wonderful, the best thing that's ever happened to us. But why do we still struggle with contentment, Stacy? Well, I think, like you said at the beginning, it's a universal struggle and our sinful nature just lends itself to complaining and to thinking the grass is greener on the other side. And we also live in a culture of comparison, which is, of course, perpetuated by social media Mm -hmm. of seeing the very best parts of everyone's lives and then feeling dissatisfied with our own. You know, you see someone's beautifully decorated house or stylish clothes and then all of a sudden I feel really discontent with my 1985 cupboards and my <laughs> Target t-shirt. <laughs> so comparison can lead to complaining and to ungratefulness, which then breeds discontentment. Yeah. And yeah. I think we also can fall into that trap of claiming our rights, of thinking we deserve better. So 
I deserve to have an updated kitchen or Mm -hmm. I deserve a husband who romances me or I deserve perfectly obedient children. That's totally what the world tells us. And I feel like Mm -hmm. the world is also right now, I don't know, maintaining this really interesting ideology that like even if you start speaking those things and saying those things, then they will become true, you know, and you're just like, that's just not that's not true. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We see the Israelites, as you as Mm -hmm. you mentioned in the story of Moses, you know, they've been rescued from Egypt. And in the same way that we've been rescued, like by God, um, he Mm -hmm. has saved us. You know, he has he has rescued us. He's redeemed us. And then a few seconds later, when the Israelites, you know, they've crossed the Red Sea and all that, then they're just complaining, wishing they would be back in Egypt where they were enslaved for years and years. And I feel like that's such a great picture of what we walk through. Like we've been rescued from the depravity of our sin. And yet we're sitting here Mm -hmm. complaining about our cabinets. Like, yeah, (laughs) exactly. Doesn't compute. Right. I know. I I say that sometimes um, I can fall into the trap of living in the land of if only. And this is really what the Israelites did time and time again, that they they wanted freedom from oppression of slavery they'd been under for 430 years. So that's a reasonable desire. But then when they were free and their stomachs began to rumble, Mm -hmm. they were wishing they were back in Egypt because you know, there was better food and menu options. So one minute they were praising God for his provision and deliverance. And the next they were grumbling because they didn't have the meat pots that they were, that they had before or the water supply. I think for us living in the land of if only might look something like if only I could get pregnant, if only I didn't have so many kids, if only we had a bigger house and I'd be happy. If only I could lose 10 pounds. If only my kids slept through the night. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. But I think none of those things are going to bring us lasting joy and peace. They, they might provide a temporal short lived happiness, but our sinful selves will soon find something else we need to be content. Yeah. You know, and some of those times that you're mentioning are really difficult seasons. Like Mm -hmm. I have a friend walking through infertility. That is really hard not to be diminished. I imagine Walking through the wilderness for 40 years was really stinking hard. (laughs) Yeah. I would have been the chief (laughs) complainer, guaranteed. So what are the hard things like this, these seasons of difficulty, what are they actually preparing us for? Well, I think that God uses the difficult trials to make us more like himself. We're sharing in Christ's suffering If everything were always easy, if we never wanted for anything, if we never Mm -hmm. faced hardship, it would be really difficult to see our need for God. But in those desert times when our heart is breaking over infertility or we're scrambling to pay our bills or we're confronted with a difficult relationship, Mm -hmm. it's an opportunity to trust God. And it's a reason to pour over our Bibles, to search for Mm -hmm. those promises that will give us joy and hope and peace. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. 
If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. Yeah, this theme of suffering is continually coming up because, right, it it marks the life of a Christian. And Mm -hmm. a lot of listeners will ask me, as I'm getting closer to God, I'm actually feeling fear of getting close to God because Mm. I'm fearful of walking through a wilderness season or a difficult season as one of his children, you know, that he might use as a means by which to draw me nearer to himself. Mm -hmm. How is suffering actually a part of God's plan to give us more of himself? How does hardship actually increase dependence and how is it a reflection of his kindness to us? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, suffering forces us to depend on the Lord because it's when we come to the end of ourselves and we realize we don't have enough. We don't have enough willpower or or energy or perseverance on our own. It's only through God's all-sufficient grace. Just as Paul pleads for the Lord to take away the thorn in his flesh in 2 Corinthians 12, God tells Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is is made perfect in weakness. So our weakness showcases the Lord's strength. It shines a spotlight on His all-sufficient, all-powerful grace for when I am weak, Mm -hmm, then I am strong. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So hardships make us cry out to the Lord, and God loves to hear our prayers and be our refuge in the midst of a storm. Mm -hmm. Yes, He does. And even in the midst of the storm, I talk about this a lot as well. Like It's amazing to see how we can be content and even joy-filled. So what does it look like to have contentment even as we're struggling with the real realities of everyday life? Well, being content, I don't think means that we don't struggle with suffering and trials. I don't think we ever perfectly arrive at being 100% content in this life on earth because we live in a fallen world. Yes, But our hope is that one day those trusting Mm -hmm. in Christ will be with Jesus in heaven where we won't want for anything because we have him. So contentment is a fight against the grumbling and ingratitude that plague our hearts. And like you were saying, anyone who's been a Christian longer than a day knows that the Christian life is not marked with ease and comfort. In Uh -uh. fact, First Peter 4 reminds us, why are you surprised at the fiery yes. trial you are suffering? But God gives us the grace to walk through the fires of life, and He promises His grace will be sufficient. So I think having contentment means that we're, we are actively fighting ingratitude and mm-hmm. discontent by focusing on those promises of God's Word. Mm-hmm. I always go back to Psalm 8411. It's really a verse that I've considered now a life verse for me, where God promises, I will withhold no good thing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. from those who walk uprightly. So when I find myself living in that land of if only, I need to pray that the Lord will give me grace to trust that he is good. He is for me and not against me. And he will use all things for the good of those who love him. Oh, that's so good. I need to memorize that verse. How can we Mm -hmm. bank on those promises of God's word as opposed to like what happens to me is just being driven to and fro and blown about by the waves and the winds of my like circumstances and my feels? (laughs) 
Yeah, it's so easy to do. Um, I think in order to bank on the promises of God's Word, we need to know the promises of God's Word. So this should be a motivation for us to be diligent students of the Bible. Yeah. One way I word it is saying, you know, don't be a secondhand feeder. Don't mm-hmm. think that just listening mm-hmm. to your pastor or, or listening, Yeah, or listening to <laughs> Journey Women podcasts. Yes. Let's just call that out right here. It is not. (laughs) In fact, let me just take a second to say my hope is that, you know, we always talk about how we would pray that this would cause women to uh, dig into the word more, that it would stir their affection for Jesus. And that as they have questions and as they're wrestling, they would do that in the context of their community. They would have real life on life conversations about the things that they're hearing in the same way that, you know, pastors often encourage uh, people to hold what they're saying as they teach on a Sunday morning, as they preach to the word of God to see if it holds true. Please, I beg you guys, please do that. Mm -hmm. We must. It's so, yeah, being, I think about opening the Bible and, you know, mining for diamonds that we need to be just studying it ourselves and, and memorizing and meditating on scripture. And that's, what's going to be our buoy in the midst of the storms of life. That's what's going to hold us up and give us perspective. Yeah. And you think about mining for diamonds, like you said, how long does that process take? I mean, I just, I just want to say, you know, (laughs) find a little tiny diamond. I don't know what that process looks like. Let's be real. But I'm imagining there's just a lot of digging and a lot of Mm -hmm. dirt and a lot of, you know, messiness. And then you find that diamond and and it just takes time and investment. And especially to the moms of littles. I mean, Stacey, can you give encouragement Mm -hmm. to mothers in particular or people who are going through really busy and demanding seasons of life for what it actually looks like to cultivate? that knowledge of the Word of God um, over time. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have been there and have had seasons with little kids. And now, honestly, even seasons still, right now with my yeah, a five-year-old, older yeah. kids and like yeah. going in a hundred different directions, it's still tricky to find the time. But but I mean, any time that you can find, whether it's needing to get up in the morning before the craziness of your house begins or taking you know, that time at nap time to sit down yes. and open the Bible. Or for those of us that are in the season of like transporting our kids to a hundred different places, <laughs> when we're waiting in the carpool line or yes. um, in the car, yes. being able to listen to the Bible podcast. Yes. There's so many ways that we can be intentional to have that time in, in the word. For me, I have always loved being in women's Bible studies. That's mm-hmm. just been a really necessary component to my growth and sanctification because it gives me accountability. You know, it gives me a structure for what to study in the Bible. And um, it gives me other women that I can pray with and process Mm -hmm. what I'm learning. And of course, when I lead those studies, then I learn even more Mm -hmm. because then you're responsible for, you know, digging even deeper. So there's a blessing too in in teaching the Bible and, and leading groups as well. Yeah, that's really, really encouraging. Do you have any particular promises in addition to the one that you mentioned in Psalms that you kind of cling to when you're personally walking through seasons of discontentment? Yeah, yeah. There are um, a couple ones that I was thinking of. So Psalm 1611 tells us, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are Mm. pleasures forevermore. Hmm. Psalm 107.9 tells us, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Mm. 
also, I, when I was thinking about, you know, the emotions rocking us back and forth and, yeah. and how to stay grounded, I went to Philippians 4, 8, because it tells us to dwell on what's true and honorable. Yeah. And so many times when fearful thoughts attack me, I think back to um, my husband, this was a number of years ago, he was teaching at a conference overseas in Turkey, and it was in the midst of the fighting that was going on in Syria, mm-hmm. near the Turkish border. Wow, yeah, that's scary. It, yeah, it was. And we had planned to FaceTime at a certain time each day to just stay in touch. But on this one particular day, time went by and there was no call from my husband. There was no text message. There was nothing. And so I checked to be sure my phone ringer was on. I checked the time wondering like, okay, did we miscommunicate or is he just in a really mm-hmm. long conversation? But as the time went on, my fearful thoughts just started to consume me. And I yeah. was I unfortunately turned on the news, which was not a good idea. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and saw yeah. that the fighting had escalated near Turkey. Mm. So, of course, I'm starting to think the worst and wondering okay, what if Terrace overcame the conference and he was taken captive? What would I tell our kids if he doesn't return home? Where should we move? How much money should I sell the house for? I mean, my runaway emotions were <laughs> making my thoughts. <laughs> Let's go. Girl, every girl does that, though. I don't know if yes. men do that, but oh, I my do goodness. that. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, a plan A to easy. Z. Yeah. I mean, I had a complete plan of what was going to happen by the time he (laughs) called me that night and said, oh no, I'm just fine. You know, I don't even remember what it was of why he didn't call. But at those times going to Philippians 4, 8 of what is true and honorable. So when those fearful thoughts attack us, asking ourselves, is what I'm fearing really happening? Or is it just my imagination running wild? Elizabeth Elliott says, there's no grace for our imaginations. I think also we can remember that mm. God is with us. The promise of Psalm 46, one, yeah. God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. Second Corinthians 12, nine reminds us that God's grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect in our weakness. Daniel 4.35 reminds us of God's sovereignty over every situation in our life. Psalm 41, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined mm. to me and heard my cry, reminds me that God listens. Mm. And Psalm 56, three to four tells me of God's trustworthiness. When I am afraid, I put my Mm -hmm. trust in you In God, whose word I praise Mm -hmm. in God, I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Some of those verses are ones that we've memorized with Hadley. Mm. And I'm just thinking as you're talking, like, this is such a struggle for our children, too. Right. I mean, from a very, very early age. Yes. The struggle with contentment, like, okay, I need what I need right now and will not be satisfied until I get it. I just think it's cool, like, to both be intentionally shepherding them by the truth of the Word of God mm-hmm. and, and for us to be preaching that to our own hearts. Like, what does that look like for you guys as a family to do that collectively? Hmm. Well, I think, you know, we try to to live out our faith and we really encourage our kids to be our older kids to be spending time in the word. And yeah, at dinner time is normally the time when our family is all together. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, you know, my husband oftentimes will bring out the Bible and we will just, you know, read a section of scripture, talk about it together, Mm -hmm. have our older kids share. If they've read a chapter in the Bible, just share a couple of things that stood out to them. Just talking about how the scripture relates to our life and how they can apply it to their school day and totally. ways that they can show grace and kindness to that person who was really mean to them in the classroom today. You know, all different, oh. just practical ways that we can make our faith come alive. Yes, yes. I'm thinking of Hadley. You know, every night we're putting her down to bed and she's 
you know, for some reason, terrified of the dark. And Mm. we do. We use that Psalm 56 verse all the time. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you and God whose word I praise. And and all the different ones, Isaiah, um, fear not for I am with you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Like Mm. just to, to help her meditate on the truth in the same way that we ought to meditate on the truth and to talk back to our emotions when they feel like they're overcoming us. Um, Yeah. I think a lot of times what we do instead, or at least what I find myself doing, is to dwell on what I wish was or mm-hmm. what used to be. What's yeah. the danger in allowing ourselves to dwell on and idealize the past or to like wish for something different? And what should we do instead? I think the danger of letting our minds dwell on the past is that we can gloss over the trials that we were experiencing then and paint in our minds a picture perfect ideal. Yeah. So I think about as how our kids have gotten older and their activity schedules have ramped up. There Mm -hmm. are a lot more practices. There's more games, more rehearsals. And I feel like I'm running a shuttle bus and it can be easy for me to think about how when they were younger and things seemed simpler when our main outing was just going to the grocery store. But if I had, you know, a videotape to rewind, I think I would find myself busy with diapering and potty training and wishing that I had on the floor. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And wishing that I had just a few minutes of peace and quiet. Yes. So I think that we were prone to thinking that we can, if we could trade today's problems for yesterday's, yeah, that 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 would erase our unhappiness and dissatisfaction. Yes. That's totally not, that's totally not true. Like I have some neighbors, we live in a cul-de-sac and our neighbors that we actually live in a duplex as well. (laughs) We're sharing Uh all the things. So my neighbors (laughs) in the house that we live in on the other side, they're a little bit older, same ages as your kids. And across the street, they're just a couple years older than us. And they tell me all the time, they say that exact same thing. Like, I wish I could go back. And I have caught myself thinking, you get to sit in the car while they are like content in the back seat. Like they can read to themselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I'd be happy to drive around all day, but here I am holding two babies under the age of two, you know? Uh-huh. So um, I totally, I get that. Like I think women, especially we, we're so prone to comparison in that way. And then we yes. speak that into each other's lives. And that's really discouraging. Cause I'm like, man, if like you, Stacy, are looking back on my phase, which is actually really quite difficult most days mm-hmm. <laughs> and saying, man, that was so much easier. I wish it could be that way again. Then I'd be like, well, man, I, I really don't have anything to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, needing to trust that God knows our every need and yes. he has us in whatever situation we're in, whatever season. Yes. That it's a matter of choosing to bloom where he planted us and fixing our mind on the truth of God's character. I think of three aspects of God's character that I go back to Mm. when I'm struggling. The first is that God is good. He is Mm -hmm. for us Mm -hmm. and not against us. He's worthy to be trusted in both the good times and the bad. And the second, that God is sovereign. Nothing catches him by surprise. So he knew and ordained that the Israelites would be pursued by the Egyptians at the Red Sea. Mm -hmm. He created our inmost being. He knows the hairs on our heads and he ordained whatever circumstances we find ourselves currently walking through. And lastly, that God is faithful. He will never leave us or forsake us. Mm -hmm. And he's faithful to keep his promises and the promise of Romans 8.28 that he will use all things for the good of those who love him. 
who've been Mm -hmm. called according to Mm -hmm. his purpose, whatever season that may be. Mm -hmm. Yes. How can we remember God's faithfulness to us in times past and not just to us? Like Mm -hmm. we can see that in our own life, you know, write in your journal so you can read it and remember. But how can we also remember his faithfulness to all of his people throughout all of history? We can remember how God has been faithful to keep his promises. Mm -hmm. So looking back at how he promised to deliver the Israelites from the hand of the Egyptians, and he did it. He promised to lead them to Canaan, the promised land. He promised that only Joshua and Caleb and the second generation would enter it because of their grumbling. And that's what happened. So we can see his faithfulness throughout scripture and the ways that he worked You see in the wilderness journey, when he exhorts the Israelites to remember their deliverance from Egypt, or when he exhorts them not to forget what he's done when they're on the brink of entering Canaan and everything seems good. In the same way, we need to be diligent to remember how God has worked in our lives. So how has he provided for you in a time of need? How has he given you Uh grace and strength when you're at the end of the rope and be intentional in our remembering? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, more than anything, like you think about the promises that are laid out for us through all of the Old Testament and how they're pointing towards Jesus. And he is the one in which and in whom we will find all of our satisfaction. I'm like, man, what greater fulfillment is that? What more do we need than the gospel? You know, and that's just a constant thing for me, Stacey, is just remembering what God has done for us through the person of his son, Jesus, and how that salvation like extends into my life in every area, every single day. So, so many times for me, when I'm in that moment of discontentment, I just sit here and think, okay, like, let's acknowledge, you know, the gospel in this. Let's acknowledge like, Mm. where is this, like, whatever it is that I'm experiencing, this lack of fulfillment. And I do this with my kids too. Like, uh, you know, you're wanting, you're yearning, you're longing for more. That Mm -hmm. is something that God has placed in us. And a lot of times this thing that you're looking to all the time, if anything you look to apart from Jesus is not going to satisfy that longing. And, you know, and, and so pointing myself, pointing my kids towards the only one who will bring that lasting fulfillment. And, and really that's ultimately found in the gospel. Do you have any other encouragement, just like gospel centered encouragement, how we can remind ourselves of the gospel in times of discontentment? I think just going back to his word, you know, going back to those promises to, to meditate on. I think also, you know, God designed us to live in community. So when we're, we're in those seasons of discontentment, you know, share your struggles with a trusted friend who's going to pray for you, who's going to help you in the battle, who's Mm going to remind Mm -hmm. you. I think so much of our discontentment is tied to ingratitude. Mm -hmm. So it's tied to just looking at what we don't have instead of all the blessings that God's bestowed on us, both spiritual and physical, tangible blessings. And so I think for me, it's needing to be diligent to be grateful and to remember how he has worked, to remember the promises of his word. At times for me, when I find myself in a spiral, I can kind of get in these melancholy you know, woe is me, everything's wrong in my life. (laughs) And when that happens, I need to grab a journal. And I normally just start Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. by asking God to help me and writing five simple things that I'm thankful for that day. Mm. And it can be as simple as, you know, there's a flower blooming outside my window. And 
you know, just anything from that simple to I have freedom in Christ that I have been forgiven and I don't have to have sin that's hanging over me or a, a guilty feeling. You know, I have been set free. So I think for me, tangibly, you know, writing down a list of things that I'm grateful for really helps me to battle discontentment. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I go a lot of times when I'm struggling, specifically in situations with other people, that's where a lot of times I find myself wrestling with discontentment and just in a relationship or something like that. You know, if there's been some relational friction, I'll go through that mnemonic creation, fall, redemption, consummation, and just sit there and Mm. write out, okay, you know, what what did God intend when he created the world and when he created Mm. us to be in relationship with him and to be in relationship with each other? Now, where has sin distorted that? That's the fall aspect. Like, what Mm. do we see here as a derivative of sin? And let's mourn that. Let's grieve over that. And then, you know, the redemption piece, like how does Christ redeem that? And what hope do I have in Jesus? And then consummation, like, what do we have to look forward to when yeah. one day yeah. you know, we will be with God and we will also be in perfect harmony with one another? He'll wipe away every tear, da-da-da, Revelation 21. Yes. And yeah. a lot of times I'll go through and find scriptures to support that. And that really brings me so much contentment in the gospel because it's like, yeah. ah, okay, like, Christ has, he has rectified this, you know, and I then can yearn and look forward to the day when I get to be with him face to face. How does being content with God's perfect provision, you know, in the gospel, Mm -hmm. free us up to give to others as he has so abundantly given to us? If we're trusting that God's provision is enough for us, we won't feel the need to hoard our time or resources So when our daily comforts are pressed, it can be really easy to get bent out of shape and become laser focused on our own needs. If money's tight, we might rationalize giving less to missions or stepping back from offering hospitality. Or if we're being drained by a particular person, we might set up too many boundaries and find ourselves just avoiding them and we can become hoarders, not just of our financial resources, but of our time and Mm -hmm. energy. Mm -hmm. So And we can mask that in like having healthy boundaries and da-da-da. Exactly. But instead, we need to trust that God will provide for Mm -hmm. every good work that he has called us to do. And the Israelites give us a really vivid picture of not trusting the Lord's provision with their daily allotment of manna. So the Lord told them to collect what they needed for each day. So the sixth day, they would collect twice as much so they could rest on the seventh. And God gave them just what they needed. So no one was left hungry. But Moses also told them, not to save any of it for the morning. But for some, their sinful hearts just couldn't take God at his word. And they Mm. hoarded the manna Mm -hmm. until morning. And you might remember in the morning, they found it reeking and filled with worms. So our lack of trust in God's provision might not leave us with stinky worms, but with anxiety and fear Mm. and discouragement. And ultimately, I think God's daily provision points us to the true bread of life, to Jesus, because he is the one who satisfies our hunger. He's the one that gives us contentment in life. And we can trust that he will give us grace to deal with that difficult person or that he will provide for our physical needs. And that the daily manna that we find through going to his word each day for strength and fuel, as we are refreshed, we'll have more to share with others. And then that we can trust that those spiritual or earthly blessings, that they are all a gift from God. And it frees us to give to others just as he has given to us. Mm, 
that's such a good picture. Every time I'm like experiencing anxiety, I'm going to be like, hmm, stinky worm. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's right. (laughs) So how can we come alongside each other and encourage one another to practice contentment like in a communal sense? Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing would be to encourage one another to really get in the word. So like Mm -hmm. we talked about before, there's no easy spiritual quick fixes. Contentment's not going to be found through more money Mm -hmm. or better wardrobe, but it will be found by banking on the promises of God's word. So asking someone to meet with you for accountability with Bible study. I, I love being a part of Bible studies because there's other women that I can pray with, praying together, memorizing God's promises looking for ways to be grateful. Like we talked about, you know, practicing thankfulness, practicing Mm -hmm. gratitude and, and pointing out to your friends, you know, sharing how has God answered the prayers that you've brought before him and pointing out evidences of grace that you see in each other's lives of how God is working in their life and changing them. Yeah, that's really good. I love it when my friends do that for me, even if I am complaining and it might be a bit awkward for them to Mm. remind me in that moment of the things that I have to be grateful for and of the truth of God's word. I walk away refreshed, you know, it's, it's, (laughs) I don't know, faithful are the wounds of the friend, you know, and Proverbs. I, I just, I'm so thankful for friends that would do that for me. And I just pray that we will be able to do that for one another more readily. If we want to do that more readily, do you have any resources that you'd recommend for somebody who wants to grow in their own contentment? Yeah. The first one I thought of was Keep a Quiet Heart by Elizabeth Elliott. Oh, so, I haven't read that. I'm excited. Oh, it's, it's awesome. I love I Elizabeth Elliott. Going through it for, I think, at least the second time. Um, I consider her a mentor of mine from Aww. the very start of my Christian journey. Yes. And she just gives kind of her solid, no-nonsense wisdom on many different facets of life, from changing circumstances to marriage to motherhood. Uh. So they're written in kind of these short devotional kind of settings, but the main thrust of the book is trusting the Lord in various seasons Mm. and circumstances of life. Another resource would be Contentment by Lydia Brownback. Mm. And that is part of her on-the-go devotionals by Crossway, published by Crossway. They're short, they're packed with truth, they're easy to read. She just takes various scriptures throughout the Bible and fleshes them out in um, very practical ways to Uh, see the gospel applied to contentment in daily life. And then the last one I really love, it's called Choosing Gratitude by Nancy DeMoss Wolgamuth. And I have actually read this book three times and I don't often reread books, but this one is so convicting Mm. and challenging. When I find myself heading in a downward spiral, I need to fight for thankfulness. And Nancy does just a really great job of setting the foundation of gratitude to the Lord and then fleshing it out and how to be grateful in the daily ups and downs of life. Oh, yay. And both of the last two that you mentioned are really affordable. So we'll be sure to link those in the show notes. I'm excited. I haven't read any of those. Thank you for adding to my list. Sure. Well, Stacey, we have completed the formal portion of our interview. And just so that people can get to know you a little better, I would love to hear What are three of your simple joys? What are three things you remind yourself of when you're needing to remember what 
you can be grateful for? So this was actually hard for me to focus on just three because I thought, oh, I have more than yeah, three when you're doing joys, the but... When you're doing the five uh, <laughs> gratitude things, you're like, I have an abundance of simple joys. Yes, I do. I do. So the first one I thought of is date nights with my husband. Oh, we are precious. We are big believers in the importance of date nights. Although for us this year, it was more like date mornings because of oh, our, that's a great kids, idea. our kids' schedules. But um, even when they're younger, going through the hassle of getting a babysitter yes. and spending money and prepping food was so worth it. As soon mm. as we are rolling out of the driveway in our really cool minivan, wow. <laughs> <laughs> just to spend that time without yeah. four sweet little voices interrupting our yeah. conversation. I mean, it doesn't have to be fancy, yeah. but wow, just that time alone has been so life-giving for How us. How did you guys prioritize that? You know, I'm imagining... I'm hope I hope you don't take offense to this. I don't think you will. Yeah. But on a pastor's salary, much yes. like on a military salary, sure. it can be difficult to prioritize that financially. How did you guys go mm-hmm. about doing that? Yeah, we have been creative and I'm so thankful for like mentors from the very start of our marriage that said this is just something you need to put in the budget that you need to make time for. And especially, my goodness, my husband was in seminary oh, when man. we were in yeah. Kentucky and um, I, we had had our first baby and I was mm-hmm. staying home and he, he was working on staff at a church and in school. It was, you know, we were living on a very small budget, but yeah. God provided, I mean, partly through teenagers at our church helping to serve us. But also we did set aside some money and it was so worth it to go out. And sometimes it would be a very cheap, you know, take a picnic to the park kind of date. Mm -hmm. Maybe we were spending the money on the babysitter instead of like a fancy restaurant. Yeah. And then when we moved to Pittsburgh, we found another family with kids in a really similar Ooh, yes. season and we set up a date night swap. That's so, so wonderful. It was awesome. And we did it for years. And the years. kids love it too. Yes, Cause then they get to play with each so other. It was so fun. And I mean, it developed a really close friendship with this other couple. Aww. We would go out Friday nights and they would watch our kids and we'd reverse it okay, for Saturday rocks. nights. Yeah. That's like the best great. ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> I yearn for that. It's hard sometimes with military because people are so transient, but we had that yeah. at Fort Benning. And I really, really, really miss my friend, Kristen, who used to watch Hadley all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was such a yeah. sweet gig. There's definitely, I just always think, you know, we make time and we spend money on what's a priority for us. Totally. And our marriages should be a priority. <laughs> yes, that's so good. Such a great reminder for me that something that Brooks and I have recognized the need for. We're in like a really busy season right now with life. And he and I looked at each other a couple weeks ago and we we're like, okay, we need to prioritize the date night in this season yeah. more than ever yeah. before. Because it's not happening where sometimes we would do the date night after bedtime kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he's currently studying for a big exam. And that's just mm-hmm. like, you know, too difficult. So anyways, Mm -hmm. we are right there needing to grow in this area for anyone listening that feels that way. (laughs) Yeah, it Uh, is. It definitely, somebody said to me once, you have to make it a calendar issue, meaning mm -hmm. you have to put it on the calendar. We are saving these two Friday nights for a date night or else, yeah, we will just fill it with something else, you know? And sometimes for us, it even means, yeah, our kids are going to miss their soccer practice. You know, like (laughs) it's choosing that you can't do everything and you're going to prioritize that time for your marriage. Oh, I can only imagine how hard that would be with four kids. Okay. Good (laughs) words. What are, are, do you have a couple more simple joys for us? Yes. Another one, I would say laughing with my kids. 
So Aww. we just, I love just having fun with them. Aww. And it's been really fun as our kids have gotten older. You know, I feel like when the kids are little, it's almost like you're more laughing at the funny things that yes. they do. Yes. But as they get older, it's been really Aww. neat to see each of their little, you know, each of their sense of humor developing. Like my 13 year old son is, he's got this really dry, witty sense of humor and he's hilarious. And we, <laughs> we have just a really good time laughing. That's so fun. Um, and then third, I would say, is driving alone with music blaring. Yes, I love that too, (laughs) with the windows down for me. Yes, yeah, it's so fun. I don't know. I think after having four kids, I'm an extrovert and I love people, but with four kids, like even five or 10 minutes in the car by myself where I can just blast the music and not worry about somebody for a short amount of time is such a gift. Really relaxing. Yeah. yeah. I totally agree with that. That's so fun. <laughs> well, you have had such a great impact on so many people through your writing and through your teaching. I'm so thankful for that, Stacy. I'd love to hear who it is that's had the greatest impact on your own personal journey with Jesus. I would definitely say my husband, Ben, I have had other amazing women who have significantly impacted my life, but Ben has been the longest running investor so we've, we've known each other since I was 16 and he was 17. So in a lot of ways, I feel like we grew up together. We kind of figured out how to be adults together and watched each other grow. And I wasn't a Christian when we first met. So Ben was actually oh, wow. one of the first believers that I knew. No way. And yeah. And his, his mom and dad were an incredible witness to me as well. Just seeing his mom sitting on the couch with her Bible open, making wow. a list of things to pray for. How cool, so Stacy. Yeah, it's really a gift. She's always been a spiritual leader to me. And, and sometimes in college, that was like we were having long distance phone debates over, you know, the roles of men and women or reform theology. But yeah, over yeah. the years, just my respect <laughs> for him has grown as a godly man and student of the word and my pastor. And he actually has his PhD in New Testament. So he is a really great resource for me with biblical knowledge with what I'm writing, he normally gives me the first edit on everything I write. And, and just, you know, being married for now it's 18 and a half years, wow. raising our family. Congratulations. Have, thank you. Thank you. I have firsthand experience that he's really yes. living out what he preaches. So I'm just really thankful to oh, be his wife. Praise God. I am so thankful mm. to hear that from, you know, we have multiple women on the show say that. And it's just mm. such an encouragement to see men, um, you know, really leading their families and pointing them to Jesus, loving their families as Christ loves the church. That is such a beautiful thing, such a beautiful expression of the gospel. And I'm so thankful for your family, for y'all's service to the church. And thank you so much for sharing your time with us on the Journey Women podcast today. It's been a joy to have you on. It's been really fun. Thanks for having me, Hunter. I am so thankful for Stacy's encouragement to remember God's promises always. Hey, if you enjoyed this conversation, you can find the details on everything that Stacy and I talked about in the show notes at journeywomenpodcast.com. If you want to talk more about the topic of contentment throughout the week, you can hop over to at journeywomenpodcast on Instagram or Facebook. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss next week's episode with Jackie Hill Perry. We are so stoked about it. Hey, a huge thanks to Chris Mann of Podshaper who edited this week's episode. It's such a joy to get to journey with you guys. I can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week. Don't leave them alone.